Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And I'm Jeremy Deschner. That's right. And as you fine folks know, Got Faded Japan is about one, two, uno, dos, each, ni, eins, zwei, two dudes, booze. Japan in the news. That's right. And Jeremy, what episode is this? This is going to be 603, I believe. That is correct, 603. And faders, we apologize. Tom Tom Tokyo is not here once again. He's doing he's doing diaper duty, right? He's taking care of his kid. Diaper duty. Doo -doo, um, duty. Diaper yeah, duty. Duty duty. He, yeah. He's in a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah. Up to his neck, I'd say. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, he's being responsible and taking care of his kid, and that's what you gotta do when you're an adult with a kid. And uh, yeah, good luck, Tom. And uh, don't get your hands too dirty. And if you do, make sure you wash it with soap and water like a big boy. All right. There, there's no way that he's actually arrested and we're just covering up for it, just saying. Or in rehab. Um, Yeah, let, let's change the conversation. <clears throat> Faders. Faders. Today, we're very honored to have a highly qualified man on the show. He's an author, a biologist, an underwater photographer, a popular science writer, and from what I understand, he's one heck of a dancer. Faders, today we have Mr. Claus M. Stifel on the show. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward. Uh, and now with that introduction, there's a lot to talk about. So your dancing Good. skills, <laughs> where did you learn how to break dance? <laughs> I, I mostly break dance underwater. I, I do it on uh, on air. I sometimes break dance on trimix, you know, breathing helium, helium mixed gases. And I, I break dance at, at up to 80 meters. God, you're so cool. I'm jealous, Jeremy. I'm jealous, man. I know you're a diver too. I, I can't yeah. swim, but I'm jealous, man. <laughs> so we, uh, just to give you a little bit of history, Klaus and I met back maybe 11 years ago in Okinawa where we both dove together a couple times. Yeah. We trained actually exactly. on double tanks together. Remember that? Yes, exactly. We, yeah. We, we, yeah it was probably, I think it was the first time I used double tanks. Good times. Same for me. That was the first time yeah. I used double tanks too. And we trained that, that one day on it. And I, I was like, yeah, this is too technical for me. I'm out. I'm going back to just regular <laughs> sport diving. Uh, yeah, I, I teach that sometimes now. It's it's a it's a bit of a niche, obviously. You don't get that many students, but it's good fun. True. And it's, you know, True. there's a lot of challenge in uh, it's not just the double tanks, right? Then you have a, like a deco tank clipped onto your side. So right. um, I, always, I, I did a couple of tech dives in, in April. So always enjoy doing that. 
Yeah, when you get into tech diving, it's a whole new story uh, where you can mix your gases, you can go deeper, you can stay longer. It's a more interesting type of diving, but it also is the more dangerous type of diving, which appeals to some people and it doesn't appeal to other people. So like you said, there's yeah. a very, very niche market for that. Johnny, you have yeah. a question? I've got lots of questions, man. Um, okay, so in this conversation, I'm going to take the layman's approach because I barely know how to swim. I'm a city guy. Even though I lived in San Francisco, I lived in the city. I lived like maybe four blocks from Chinatown, right? No water over there. No water at all. So when you guys say certain things like double tank, I'm thinking of that one rave I went to in Oakland where they had like all these tanks of stuff. I don't know. That, that's what I'm thinking. So you guys, you guys got to explain things as you go along. Like double tank. Is that where you're like, like in that James Bond movie where he had the two tanks behind his head? That's a yeah, double take, yeah. right? Very exactly. much so. Yeah. Okay, great, great. <laughs> I, I think a lot of our faders don't swim either. I, they swim in alcohol. <laughs> Jeremy, do, do, you, do you know what's, what's still one of the most popular blog posts ever on my blog is, is what you wrote, the guest post. About oh, really? the, yeah, the, uh, so um, I'm sure you've seen that. Uh, is it Goldfinger? There's the James Bond movie where they have this major fight underwater at the end, right? Correct. The, Correct. The, there's always a fight to the death at, at right. the end. So, for James James Bond movie. You and I are probably the same age, but guys like Johnny are a bit younger and our faders are a bit younger. So if you don't know who Goldfinger was, that was the very first James Bond movie. And there, there's a scene underwater where James Bond is diving a wreck. And uh, there's a there's a fight scene, a, a really cool, intense fight scene. And the article that Klaus asked me to write as, as a guest on his blog was uh, kind of asking me about martial arts and diving and how those two mix together. And uh, like you said, it was, a, it was a popular popular thing. How how realistic is that is that scene underwater of James Bond fighting? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah it was because, fun to write that. It, it's it's not not particularly realistic, right? I mean, they're they're doing all these crazy things where you know. Sure. They, they would just not work out in the real world. Right. right. Can you punch underwater? Is that effective? I, I think it wouldn't be effective, right? There's too much resistance. Can you karate chop? Is it all about you chopping? You have to be very close. You have to be very close and you'd have to be like like that. But you couldn't throw like a long punch because there's more there's more drag because water is eight hundred times more dense. So it has more drag and you'd see it coming. But if you had like little if you got really close and you did little short like stabs like this, it's it's not really gonna uh, be effect, uh, affected by the drag of the water but if you throw like long haymaker punches over your head like that or you try to like jump up and kick somebody you're gonna they're not gonna go very far and you're probably gonna go in the opposite direction if they stand still or they're they're up against something i agree you know i, I think underwater would be um where you would have to use your chichitsu right it, it would really yeah. be uh, holds and strangleholds yeah yeah and you know there's one video online where there was a conflict underwater in hawaii maybe you've seen that actually i think that actually might have happened after you you wrote that article where mm. somebody was collecting aquarium fish and that's a bit um controversial right because they're sure gonna run out of fish eventually and then uh so some somebody was filming that and then the fish collector attacked the lady who was filming and he he ripped out her regulator hmm. so she ended up putting it back and everything was fine but but this is probably the the, the technique for fighting underwater to to right. sabotage the other person's uh breathing apparatus <laughs> sure that yeah, would be the best the best thing the next thing you'd want to do is you want to, you'd want to control their back and reach around front and hold on to some of their equipment and then you can exactly. if you're if you're, you're going to kill them probably navy seals know how to do this better than anyone 
you know, and then you just start stabbing their abdomen or whatever to make them bleed out. But if you're just going to, if you're just going to, if you wanted to drown them, you, you pull the regulator out. But, you know, divers have two regulators, if not more depending on what kind of diving you're doing exactly so you could just pop another one in but if you but also if you're deep 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 underwater you know this klaus if, if you pop in the wrong regulator at a certain depth it's toxic exactly exactly uh if there's too much oxygen in the mix yeah you uh you're gonna essentially have an uh, epileptic seizure sure and you know there was another case did you see that there was i think it, it was an american couple on their honeymoon in ah. australia and the yes. husband, husband killed the lady for insurance money. And he yeah. actually did what you said. Like he took her back and yeah. then he took out her regulator and she drowned. What, what a horrible yeah. thing to do. Not very nice. huh? Horrible. And it was their honeymoon too. Also, yeah. they took a photo and you could see her floating in the back. Like she's underwater like this, you know, just head circling the drain. <laughs> she, that was the wedding goner, photo? Man. That's the wedding yeah, photo, yeah. man. Yeah, and he's yeah. like going, ooh, ooh some <laughs> caught red-handed. Shark did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rude shark. Can he bite her? He's like, Arr. it's obviously a shark. <laughs> or piranhas. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. So, Klaus, I got to ask you, how did you get started in all of this? I mean, you're, you're a master yeah. of water sports regarding fishing, diving, all that stuff. <laughs> Just joking. How did you get involved in all this I in so Austria is landlocked, right? So we still have lakes where you can dive, but still, I learned to uh, to dive in Italy, and um, when I was fourteen only with my dad, and you know from then on I never stopped basically, and um, especially in my mid twenties I really um, got going, and then probably what is it seven or eight years ago I became an instructor, and I've, I'm so I'm a biologist, right? And then I more and more started combining that, the, the diving and, you know, my interest in, in marine animals. So it all came together really nice. And what also came together nicely is, is photography and videography. So, yeah, check out my YouTube channel. It's all, under, you know, Pacific, like the ocean and cows, one word. There's is a lot of footage of, uh, you know, fish fighting each other, me fighting fish. I, I'm not joking. And, or, you know. <laughs> what was a fish trying to rob you or something <laughs> i i i think i think it it felt offended when it was in its territory so mm -hmm. it, it tried to bite off some of my toes i'm not yeah. gonna sh show you i'm not gonna show you my toes but i still have all 10 <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's a different kind of video man <laughs> <laughs> that's for the fish man I heard about he's, that. He's I heard from about Austria, that. man. There's some crazy shit over there. <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> I, I'm sure in Japan there's a market for that. I'm sure there is. Toes? They probably sell toes in a vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of our stories. <laughs> we'll get that later does, after the break. Does that actually exist, or is is that an urban legend? This this panty vending machine. No, that's true. Oh, there's there's panty vending machines. Yeah, I've seen them. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also there used to be penny, there used to be vending machines for anything and everything you can think of, man. Back yeah. in the day when I first, I mean, Jeremy's been here longer than me, but I've been here for almost 20 years. When I first came here, I mean, there's like dildo vending machines, fucking magazine, fucking <laughs> vending machines, of course, panty vending machines. There were guys that were in Shibuya that would have cameras and they would pay girls to walk on, on top of the camera and they'd take a picture of their panties and they'd pay the yeah. girl 5,000 yen and then they would keep all the footage and stuff. I mean, all this stuff is real. Yeah. It's not urban legend, you know. <laughs> I, I witnessed it. Yeah. Not in Germany. They used to have like they used to have like glass top clubs and people would walk mm-hmm. girls would walk up there around there with no panties mm-hmm. on and you could just look up and, and check mm-hmm. out some gash. That and then also fun. there right now we, we saw we had a story on our show a few weeks ago about um um what was it an engagement ring vending machine? Remember that story? There was an engagement ring vending machine that they had that sold jewelry. Yeah. I might have been a little bit too deep in the booze at that point in time, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, point being there, there's there's thousands of dollars worth of jewelry inside this vending machine. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> for all sorts of stuff here. But um, so all right, when you started diving and you started getting involved with fish, and you decided you want to be a biologist, was there a certain kind of fish that you want to study first? You know. Not originally, not originally, but um, probably in the last 10 years, I, I put my focus on the gobies, which are, um, so, so you're, you're not a, a water person, so you might have, you might have seen them in the fish tank store because they're, they're quite popular. So most they're very gobies, cool. Yeah, most gobies are really only about a, a couple of centimeters in length, and that has a lot of advantages to study these. So typically, you don't have to look very, very far to find them. So if you if you're studying sharks these days, and you know the ocean, many parts of the ocean are really overfished, so you you might I haven't seen a shark in a while. Wow, uh, probably terrible. in in about a in about a year, I would say. And um, so if you if you're studying this abundance um, small fish, you see them all the time. And, um, you know, essentially evolution happens faster with these small fish. So that's uh, probably about, you know, when I was in Okinawa, so, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I decided to um, focus on these. Gobies. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. And um, I want to talk about gobies in your book later, but uh, yeah. I want to talk more about your history right now, because once we start yeah. talking about your book and gobies, we're going to talk for like 10 minutes about gobies. I mean, gobies are fascinating. They've got like what? But there's 2,000 different species of gobies. Sharks only have like 1,000 yep. species. Yep. Human beings throughout exactly. history only has 21 species. So, I mean, these guys are yep. pretty advanced, yep. you know? So anyway, yeah, exactly. let's talk about gobies in your book later. I want to talk about your history. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so did you study biology in Japan? No, no. Uh, in, in Austria, I had um, a faculty position. I was essentially a, a professor in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. So they, they put up an institute, which was a little bit, I think uh, you could probably, it's probably fair to say that it was um uh, to make up for the or the military basis, you know, they, they just wanted to develop Okinawa. Mm-hmm. I think that's that was the reason why they put that institute there. And they, when I was there, it just started out. So it's it's um, I guess an interesting experience. It was not what you would normally expect, but it it was just um, the place was still really empty, and. Um, you know, like it was it's a small place, not a lot of scientists there yet. And um, that's where I moved to in 2006. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So you studied, you studied biology and uh, you studied it in Austria. And yep. then from there, you came to Japan and you started working in Okinawa. Yeah, you know, there were actually a few things in between. So I, I, was in, I had a job in Germany uh, and in the US in San Diego, which before a bit between living in Austria and uh, moving to Japan. So, you know, a couple of stations in between. Uh, San, have you been to San Diego? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice place, cool place. Love Good it. diving yeah. and... Um, yeah, good, food. Nice, good food, nice, nice beach culture, um, yeah. good vibes. You know, they, it seems that a lot of things, you know, they, they just degrade, right? And then, uh, but when I, I was still there in San Diego, so in the early 2000s, there, there were, I guess, a, a few less rules than now. So they had, like, once a year, they had this Pacific Beach block party where they oh. essentially just declared the whole suburb a party for a weekend. And that's why you and, left? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my my job ran out. Uh. <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah, that that was that was a really good place, and you know, so basically, just everybody, the whole beach was you know half naked, drunk young people. Oh, and, nice. uh, no, I missed that. Uh, people people would wear uh, the kelp. Uh, your Jeremy, nice. your program, you know, the, it's like a, a large piece of seaweed, and they, they in Japanese we say wakame, wakame. It's a giant ah, piece yeah. of seaweed. Yeah, wakame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, exactly. And the people would wear it like um, bandana, like a fur, like almost like Ex a fur. Exactly. Yeah. So, so th that was the kind of you know, drunk stones people wearing kelp. Um, <laughs> lots of for some reason during this book there were lots of fights but they were never really serious fights you know i don't think anybody really yeah. got hurt but it, it was good to watch sure. um and then so yeah i mean san diego was just fantastic so what what, what kind of sea life were you, were you studying gobies at that time there in san diego or were you doing a different um, kind of fish in San Diego, I was still mostly studying red brains, but I was also starting to study uh, marine biology and um, particularly, actually, I studied corals there. Oh, interesting. Like so, what kind of, yeah. uh, there's corals that are different everywhere. Like in Japan, you get soft corals. I think in San Diego, you'd have hard corals. Um, yeah, actually, the other way around. So basically, you, oh, you really? Really need, yeah, you need to have it warm to, for hard corals. Okay. And um yeah, so interesting soft corals in, in San Diego. And they, you know, like if you poke a coral, uh, you know, different parts of the coral body will, will contract. And, sure. and that's, that's what I started there. So, and I, I ran some computer simulations to uh, trying to reproduce this. Interesting. Um, yeah, good stuff. Cor coral, if you don't know, is, a, is basically an animal. It's not a plant. It's, yeah. uh, it's alive. It's a, it's, a, it's a giant organism that working together to function as one thing not not too un, not too dissimilar to cephalopods but uh you know just a different um uh, different family it's interesting yep. very interesting and and it looks like if you get really close to it it looks like little eyeballs almost they're just like what you're saying is they flex and they and they release and, and they have little mouths it's in very interesting to study absolutely absolutely i'm thinking you know when, when, when there are enough of them of course they they build a coral reef right sure yeah and then, you know, actually, the, um, the northernmost coral reef is in, in the south of Japan, of mainland Japan. So then, uh, you know, corals essentially need, you know, warm, clear water. And, you know, mm -hmm. that, that is just essentially the part of Japan where, where there's just, just enough of that. 
So yeah, that, that's what I started in San Diego. Plus, you know, I started, um, you know, mammalian brains. So, you know, rats, I would, I would both stick electrodes in rats. There's a question. Yeah, did you say rat brains? Like Mickey yes. Mouse rat brain? Well, you studied yeah, yeah. rat brains. Yeah. You went from coral <laughs> to like fish to rat brains. You're like yeah. all over the place, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true and i think that's, that's healthy you know like a, a lot of scientists you you see and they're essentially they're focusing on one topic and that's all they do their whole career i, th I think that's not, not not very healthy uh intellectually mm -hmm. that you you um you're too overly focused so yeah i like i really mixed it up a bit and then, so I, I both like, I, I would stick electrodes in the red brains and, you know, measure the electricity, <laughs> the electric current. Really interesting. It, it, it takes quite a lot of skills. And then also ran simulations where Do we scream. Uh, no. So what happened? <laughs> it's more interesting would, if they scream. <laughs> we, we would <laughs> anesthetize them. <laughs> oh, okay. You're kind about it. You just weren't like, you just weren't like picking up rats and going, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> oh man so so basically you're like dr frankenstein but you're also like uh well i don't know quite the opposite once you get into the water right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you, you know one you can't for you and one for me one for you and one for me <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't can't abuse animals right so we, we would anesthetize the rats of course before yeah. we started the experiments <laughs> we're gonna get some emails about that i'm sure <laughs> oh god no 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 it, all you woke people out there it's uh all the rats were uh different kinds of rats okay <laughs> they're all they're all had uh novocaine they're good yeah oh they were novocaine up man those rats were happy they're like give me electricity yeah labada me <laughs> Shock me again, bro. I just saw aliens. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what did you learn by uh, shocking the, br the brains of rats? <laughs> Nothing. Well, to, <laughs> yeah, I did learn something. So okay. basically, the, the main lesson, I guess, was that there's a lot of ongoing activity in these brains, right? And, and you know, why, why did I use rats, right? Because you, you can't legally use humans, right? Even if you if you really don't like the person, it's it's not okay to do medical experiments on somebody. I know some people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 hence, you know, you, you're using um, rats, mice um, as as model systems, right? Like as experimental elements, and, and and then you're trying to to deduce right what's happening in a human. Um, but yeah, so I think the, the conclusion from most of my work was that uh, in in brains, there's ongoing activity. So mm. it's not that, you know, you, you would hear something and that would cause some, uh, something to happen in your brain, but there's constantly something going on uh, in your brain. And if you hear something, it, it will just shift around what's going on. So I, I thought that was that was an interesting insight, and I mean, like it, it wasn't. I wasn't the the only person involved in that research, of course. But um, you know, this kind of ins, in insight, this is really what came from my work there. Okay. Last question about brains. Last question about brains. Yes. Yes. How similar are rat brains to human brains? Are they similar? Like you know, I know pigs are somewhat similar to humans. Yeah. But are rat brains similar to human brains in some kind of I know a couple humans like that. 
<laughs> what pigs? We're not yeah. supposed to talk about the police. I would describe I would describe a few people that I know in my past as being very similar to pigs. <laughs> and, and, you know, you know that alcoholism research is done on pigs, right? Oh, so so if you if you think you have a new therapy for treating people with alcoholism, you you first try it out on pigs. <laughs> Because they're roughly the same size as a person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it depends on it depends on the pig and the person. And, the, and number two, they um, you know, the, the omnivores like us, right? So that the digestive tract kind of kind of works like ours. So I I haven't seen that, but you know, the, these labs they have all these drunk pigs running around. <laughs> I'm not, not awesome. making any of that. I up. grew up in a town of drunk pigs. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Texas. But all you yeah. Texas we're all good. We love you. We can't wait to visit too. Uh, okay, okay. I got a question about photography. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. You do a lot of underwater photography, and actually, Jeremy, this goes for you too. Okay. Sure. Like, are you, what kind of cameras are you using? And are you using flash when you do underwater photography? Because I can imagine like being like, I don't know, maybe 30 meters underwater in any, uh, anywhere in the world, absolutely. the yeah. light is so minimal. It's gotta be almost nothing, I, right? Ex exactly, exactly. So I, I have, um, I have an Olympus EM1, which is a, like a, a mirrorless, uh, you know, lens exchange camera. You know, one of these micro two thirds, which, which is a great camera. And I have an Olympus TG6, which is um, um, a, a, a fixed lens camera, a, a compact camera. And and yes, you have to, unless you're really shallow than probably two or three meters, you have to use a strobe. You have to do that. So basically, I have, you know, these are regular uh, consumer cameras and the inner housing. So it's essentially, it's um, a acrylic box with a with an o-ring and the and the part where you close it that the camera doesn't get destroyed from you know water flooding in and then uh, you know there are buttons and these buttons have um essentially o-rings as well so you so you can as assess almost every function of the cameras and then uh the the strobes the, f uh, the flashes are connected with a fiber optic cable um so the the you know the internal strobe of the camera will then trigger these and and that's how you get the light uh, in your images. Normally, you, yes, there's a lack of light in general, but there are um, not just a lack of light, but you also you're losing the warm colors. So the the first color you use is red, you know, orange, and then if you are once you are probably about forty meters deep, all you have left is uh, is blue. So, so if you wouldn't use a, a flash in 40 meters, you could still get interesting pictures, but they would essentially be black and white, or they, they would be just essentially shades of blue. And um, yeah, it's it's a challenge. So basically, you uh, you know uh, that's what photography is really about, right? Like clever use of light, mm -hmm. and uh, particularly underwater photography, because you will still use the ambient light for for your background, mm -hmm. but then. The things which you really want to photograph, um, they you have to you have to hit with the strobe. Otherwise, you you will completely lose any reds, yellows, orange. 
uh, hues. Um, so it's quite a good challenge, particularly if you're photographing bigger things. If you're photographing, uh, you know, like a small sea slug, macro photography, all your light will come from the strobe. And, uh, you know, you, you will have covered this small animal with your with the light from the stroke. But if you, let's say, you're photographing a shipwreck, and then, you know, you would want to have, you know, the foreground lit up with the stroke, but you still have light in the background. So, yeah, it's, it's a good challenge. It's, it's a real, um, there are lots of technical skills, essentially, to, um, you know, uh, grab enough of the ambient lights, bring your own light. Good There's fun. also other other techniques you can use, like um, in addition, you can add slave strobes, which you can make yeah. yourself with, yeah. the, you know, like he's talking about, the, make your own acrylic boxes and stuff and create yeah. um, photo, photo sensitive like uh, uh, sensors. And you could set that like behind something. I can set that behind a coral. So when my main strobe goes pop one half a second later, that slave strobe goes pop. So the inside of the coral looks like it's lit up. So you exactly, see a lot of the exactly. orange at the bottom and red, ye red, yellows going up to the top as the light diffuses. And these are just like techniques that you learn over time doing these things. And also, if you're if you're filming fish or things that move quickly, you have to have a faster aperture speed versus filming like a, a landscape or a shipwreck. Because shipwrecks, ideally, <laughs> while you're in them, don't move. And uh, and uh, you you want to have like the the light coming in, but you can give it that kind of ghostly look. You want to have a higher speed film, different ISO. It's a bunch of fun stuff to play with there. Wow. 100%. Or you can, you know, very difficult to photograph a jellyfish, right? Because normally, oh, yeah. you know, your strobe will not reflect. So you, you will have to, you know, your strobe will have to come from behind or from the side. So you, you're really photographing the light which gets uh, scattered, not reflected by these. So it's it's a, it's a good challenge. Uh, you know, lots of uh, little tricks and techniques. And then, you know, you, you don't, you're not sitting at a desk and then, you know, you're, you're thinking, what am I going to do now? But, you know, you're 20 meters underwater, you're breathing through this regulator, you know, you're, you're hovering. And in this situation, you have to find out, you know, what am I going to do with, you know, this subject, with the strobes which are brought. So, yeah, it's, um, it's real art. I think it's underappreciated. One cool thing I've seen people photograph with are, are like a crates, crate snakes, sea snakes. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about sea snakes in Okinawa, they're they're everywhere. Yeah, and they're about they're about three meters long. Some of the big ones, Whoa. and they're 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 poisonous. They're they're the same kind of poison as a as a cobra, a king cobra. What? What? Yeah, and no. you can be sitting there hovering, and then one will come one will come like this and push your ear and come across your mask and go like that, and you're like, oh my fucking god, uh, there's a cobra on my face. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll and then it'll it'll just go away. I'm out. And then then, I'm out. then other times you could just other times you could try to take a picture of it and it doesn't like your strobe, so it strikes your camera. It's very interesting stuff. Oh my yeah. god! All right, question: If you get bitten by a snake like that, what happens? Do you, you can't suck out the fucking poison because they're underwater and you got to breathe through a regulator, right? Yeah, the chances are very, I mean, they're very, the poison is very powerful, but they're not very aggressive. So the chances yeah. are not very high that you get bitten. But if you get bit, I think you're pretty much toast. And uh, there are not a lot of known cases. And mm. um, then the... Toast! <laughs> I'm I never think, going in the water again. I'm not taking a <laughs> bath. Fuck that. Fuck water. I'm done. I'm only drinking beer. <laughs> you're toast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
Oh, also, as, <laughs> as professional divers and instructors, we're trained to um, for situations like rescues. And yeah. if this happens, there, there's a bit of time. You don't just instantly go Ugh, and die. You you get bit and you react, and it takes a while for that poison to get through your through your system. But also, the thing about snakes that I those kind of snakes that point out, their their fangs are very small, so the chances of them going through a wetsuit are very 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 you know yeah. low. But if it hits if it hits you on the thumb. Where you're, where you're not wearing gloves, that's a, that's a problem. Or it hits you on a cheek, where that's a problem. Yeah. But then the thing is, we, what you can try to do is, there, as your dive instructor, as your dive partner, we can try a rescue and then provide CPR and then you know, get get you to help. But it's a it's a kind of a poison that shuts down your um, respiratory system and, and kind of just freezes your heart. So it's really not much of a chance. So bring out your butter because you're toast. Oh my god! Wait, one yeah, more question. Exactly. One more question. Um, right. I got a friend that's got poisonous snakes, right? Not in Japan, but uh, the thing is, he says sometimes if you get bitten by a poisonous snake, sometimes the bite is a dry bite, and a dry bite is where they don't inject poison into you. Is it the same with these snakes too? I'm not sure. You know, um, there are not that many known cases of of bites. That's good. I'm and in many cases, you know, they happened somewhere in the countryside in Indonesia or in the Philippines where the, the guy just died and no, nobody found out about it. So, uh, fishermen also, they, fishermen, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, fishermen, fishermen in third really world weds. countries, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's why they get the big bucks. <laughs> uh, I think what happened to the guy? I think I think he was actually convicted, right? The guy who who killed his wife in Australia. Usually, I that's what happened. He was convicted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's probably listening to the show. The guy strangled the virus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, I got a question. Those, oh, go for it, Jimmy. Go for it. I was gonna say those, those snakes. They're gorgeous and they're interesting to look at. I mean, of course, you don't want it to bite you, but for if you're into photography and you're into filming, you're into diving, you want to look at every sea creature. And those things, like like Klaus says, they're kind of, I wouldn't Absolutely. say friendly, but they're non-aggressive. Yeah, and they, yep. they're they're also curious about what you are. So if you're holding a flashlight, it, it's like it's like the snake's like, what the fuck is that? And it starts swimming towards your light. You know, yeah, and it's interesting. Exactly, and you know, the other thing is that they they would sleep underwater so yep. they would um these can actually breathe through their skin so they have an amazing breath hold of course mm -hmm. um but they also can just you know take up oxygen through their skin so you it's very rare to see them breathe now now you know about a month ago what i saw there's an eel in the Philippines, which looks just like these snakes. So it's a, uh, yep. And uh, it's it's a case of mimicry, right? I mean, it's- it's, so it's like banded? Right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Banded, um, you know, dark brown and, and grayish white. And um, yeah. huge advantage for the eel, of course, because nobody is gonna, gonna try to eat the eel. Now, right. what, I, what I saw the eel do, it, it pretended to be a snake to the point that it pretended to take a breath. So the eel, oh. which we, the eel is a fish, of course, right? And it has gills, doesn't have to take a, a breath. The eel swam to the surface like a snake, which has to breathe and then came back down to yeah. convince me that it's it's a snake. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's really the thing with diving. Like every time you're underwater, you, you learn something like this. Wow. I have not cool. known, yeah. yeah. It really makes me miss diving. <laughs> ah, you, you should go. Didn't you? I think you moved to the to the south of Japan, right? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm moving to Fukuoka, so that's there. We're ten minutes on the beach, so I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure I'm just going to take it up. I won't teach, but I'll yeah. definitely I'll definitely get in the water and and, and go. You know, I'll, I you know that they say don't do solo dives, but if you're an instructor. If you're taking out people who are not certified, basically you're doing a solo dive. It, it, it's worse than a solo dive, actually. Yeah, it's worse than a solo dive. So yeah, I'll solo dive my ass yeah, off. Yeah, I did that yeah. all the time in Okinawa. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it depends how deep. Yeah. What about snorkeling? Why don't you just do snorkeling? I mean, isn't that safer? I do. Oh, you do do snorkeling every weekend, almost. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I thought people that I, I thought there's like all right. So this is uh, let me just show my ignorance. I thought there's two different kinds of like water people, like. People that do scuba diving are like the hardcore people. But then also and there's like this other kind of group, which is like the bigger group. And that's like people that do snorkeling because it's easier and anybody and everybody can do snorkeling. And that's kind of like a cute thing to do. But once you do scuba diving, there's no turning back. It's like skiing and snowboarding. If that what makes do you sense. think, Klaus? Yeah, I mean, I still snorkel. I actually went snorkeling today. You know, it's, it's, it's mm. easier. You, you don't have to bring a tank and uh, nothing yeah. like that. And, uh, you know, often you, you just see different things. I mean, it's, it's, it might only be two or three meters deep where they're really interesting things. And then, you know, snorkeling is just fine. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's more of a technical challenge, of course, to scuba diving. And a lot of guys are really into that, right? You know, doing deeper dives or, you know, mm. doing wreck dives. And, you know, you, you don't get that satisfaction from snorkeling. But um, oh, there are definitely interesting uh, things you can see when you snorkel. I, I saw some, you know, really interesting sea urchins today. Um, yeah, you know, there's a here. There's a crab which like lives in the anal cavity of the sea urchins. Have you seen I that? Got an uncle <laughs> <laughs> He's done time in prison. He can't help himself. <laughs> He's a nice guy, but you got to leave him alone when he's drunk and he hasn't his pants on. Uh, okay, so that guy, all right, that's my answer. I got it. Okay, good. Uh, all right. Well, I've got so many questions. And actually, my questions go to both of you guys because both of you guys are divers and stuff. And as I said, I'm a city guy. So <clears throat> I want to go back. I want to go back a little bit. I want to turn, take the needle and pull it back just a, just a little bit, just like a little, 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 little bit. Um, all right. You were talking about seeing like shipwrecks and stuff like that underwater. And now that's awesome. I would love to talk about that in depth. But before mm -hmm. I even touch that, I want to ask you guys about Yonaguni. Now, Yonaguni in Yokohama, not Yokohama, in Okinawa, uh-oh, the booze is catching up to me. Uh, Yonaguni <laughs> Okinawa has quote-unquote underground pyramids, right? Supposedly, but have you guys been to Yonaguni and have you seen these underground quote-unquote pyramids? Have you, Jeremy? Um, no, when I lived in Okinawa, I was just a dive instructor, so I was poor as shit. I couldn't yeah. afford to barely eat, you know, so I, there was no way I'm taking a trip to uh, Ishigaki. I would love to have gone. But uh, yeah, I, couldn't. I, I, I went, I went. Um, and then I think, you know, um, it's it's the same with the UFOs. That I think most of the UFOs are just uh, weather balloons, right? Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's boring. Same thing, you know, with the, with these pyramids. Uh, they are basaltic volcanic columns. 
So, you, you know, uh, you've probably, I have not actually been there, but there is, there's this thing in Ireland called the Giant's Causeway. You've probably seen this. pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I know this. That, that is very regular uh, hexagonal um, basaltic columns. And if, I think if the lava, you know, is above a certain temperature, then it cools down quickly enough. It forms these really regular structures. And I think that's happened in, in Yonaguni. It looks cool. There's no question. But then, you know, they came up, I think they're, like they're, they're varying levels of crazy theories. Like the, the mildest is that, you know, this was a, like a Neolithic uh, palace. And that could be, I mean, obviously there were people there in, in the Stone Age, but and maybe they modified that structure a little bit. But then uh, there, there are like uh, other theories which uh, claim that, you know, the dolphins built that, you know, to communicate. <laughs> with, with their <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how it's done. They, they didn't actually care about the finished products. They just enjoyed the process. <laughs> what are we going to do today? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we don't we have should... arms. What else are we supposed to do with our dicks? <laughs> we got a big dick. Might as well use it. <laughs> let's let's push this rock over there around a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I think uh, it feels... how the pyramids were built in Egypt, actually. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this. I've done a little bit of research. I've done some YouTube videos on Pornhub, you know? With all those holes in those rocks, that's for dicks. Yep. <laughs> no, there's a lot of glory holes in the pyramids. My take on my take on Yonaguni is that you know, if it was an if it was a Neolithic structure, if it was um actually uh, Paleolithic in st- uh, structure. There would be uh, other evidence. There would be arrowheads. There would be tools. There would be things left okay. over. But there's never been any evidence showing that it's nothing um, other than a natural formation. Because even if it's millions of years old, in that in that water, it should still be preserved. E- even if it's covered, in, like we have, we have hundreds and thousands of year old shipwrecks from Vikings that are preserved. So, unless you show me evidence, my first, my 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 um. My my origin of, of my my origin of any belief is to disbelieve. So I always start with the disbelief until you show me evidence to make me believe. You haven't pro- you haven't met your burden of proof. It's in science. In science, you have to meet the burden of proof. Exactly, exactly. So there would be graves, right? There, there would be yeah. bones, as you said, arrowheads, bones, uh, and none Me? of this has ever been yeah. found. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, you know what? Like trash mittens, right? Like just right. Uh, fish bones. Gold. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And. Um, so I think it's sadly, this is just a bunch of really interesting volcanic rocks. It's a cool dive site. I, I enjoyed it there. I mean, there, there's a lot of current. So you have uh, a lot of fish, you have um, a lot of sea fans, you know, corals, which do well in strong current. So the, the island itself was, they, they have other interesting things. There's, uh, I think there's a, a miniature horse. There's like a special Yonaguni um, uh, horse. <laughs> wait, wait, say horse or horse? You Al, Al Morty shoe and you get up there and you're like, I want to ride that little fucker. There's horse all over the place. No, horses, right? Like they. I, 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 I only saw, I only saw the the horses, but I'm yeah. not ruling ruling out the miniature horse. Could be. Well, you know. <laughs> I've been to countries like that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the army once. Maybe it's yes. like the Kabuki Kabuki show, like district or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's got red lights. 
<laughs> Maybe they were hiding when they saw us. Oh, that's awesome. That guy looks like he's got a dolphin dick. I better hide. <laughs> try to move my rock around. <laughs> well, well, they, they, were, they were busy with the dolphins. We don't know. But yeah, yeah what, what I saw that is the, um, the it's it's a kind of a pony, but so it's like a special horse breed, which, which they have there. And, you know, the whole island was really very traditional Japanese, you know, nice... Um, uh, the, the food from the region and you could tell that uh, there is a mix of cultural influx they had I remember they had these flags on the mm. on the graves more like in Taiwan than in mainland Japan so yeah, interesting right, right. place to, to visit yeah it's yeah. the Ryukyu Islands they were they were conquered by a lot of people they were conquered by the Chinese at one point they were conquered by the Americans at one point they were conquered by the Japanese at one point <laughs> So there, like you said, there's a mix of culture. Exactly. And they, and, and, you know, they want tourists because their biggest cultural, uh, the biggest draw in their economy is is cultural and and tourism. So like, like you, you're talking about miniature horses. Any other place in the world would be like if you if you had to show your horse and it was like that big and you're like, God damn it, my horse is so small, it's useless. <laughs> Over there, they're like, no, 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 look, it's a miniature horse. It's really cool. It's Japan. Everything's a little small and high tech, right? I'd be pissed if I had that horse. If everybody else had a big giant Clydesdale and a stud and a, and a stallion, and I, I came up with this stupid fucking little horse. Hi guys, this is my horse. They'd be like, get out of here. So Dolphin it's like dick. Go kart of horses. Uh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, on to serious questions. Okay, so, all right. You said shipwrecks. Yes. What's the most interesting man-made thing that you've seen underwater? Would it be like a destroyer, like uh, the Yamato? Yes. Be- yeah. Okay. Um, you know, there's a very interesting uh, shipwreck. And so I, I live in the in the central Philippines on an island called Negros and um, near Cebu. Maybe some people know Cebu. So yeah. I, li- I live one island over from Cebu. And um, there is there's very good wreck diving in the northern Philippines in a place called Subic. <laughs> And that used to be a major U.S. naval base, actually. And um, then they, uh, that, that was a naval base for many, many years. And there's a shipwreck there, which is the uh, uh, USS New York. And that was the first, so it was still powered by steam, but it was ironclad. So it, it was in between, you know, these 19th century ships, um, which were which were steamships with a couple of guns with modern um, destroyers. Mm. And they um, that was uh, involved in the Spanish-American War, like in 1899, right? And so, so it was involved in, in shelling um, Havana. And then... Wow. Yeah, uh, the U.S. Navy still owned that ship, of course, and then they moved it to Subic and just used it as a, a storage facility because it was outdated, right? And then when when the Japanese, uh, uh, you know, took over the Philippines in 1942, I guess, uh, the, the American Navy sank it in a strategic position to block the entrance for the Japanese into that bay. So oh, okay. it's, yeah, and then they, they dragged it around a little bit, but it still sank there. And it's just, you know, it's this really interesting historic ship, which has, mm. you know, it's it's like it has, has components from, you know, two eras of naval warfare. 
So that I dive that oh, just just about a month before the the pandemic started, and and, and that's a fantastic uh, wreck. I can I can highly recommend going there. So that's in okay. that's probably four or five hours north of Manila by car, in in Subic Bay. So I I definitely say that's the most interesting. And you know it still has a, a massive gun to it, and then a lot of the shipwrecks they're just you know the historically. Um, Artifacts and, and they're interesting because of that, but there, there's so much ocean life on them too. And yeah, and being an iron ship, it would make a, it would create um, an artificial reef basically because exactly. iron iron will start to uh, oxidize and, and coral will stick to that. And exactly. um, also in, in Okinawa, I'm sure you did the same thing. I dove a lot of World War II wrecks, and uh, on the ocean floor, there's 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 machine guns, there's bullets, there's giant yeah. clips of ammunition there's there's missiles not missiles but yeah. like projectiles that are stuck yeah. inside coral that are unexploded uh, we've seen, like, not torpedoes but like a projectiles from like the big guns like a giant bullet okay gotcha yeah and then like uh i, I got a coke bottle here that i picked up from the 1940s from the bottom of the ocean it's, it's in my collection here and then um there's uh, there's there's all kinds of like shit like people would like on the ships would sit there drinking a coke in the 1940s and when you finished your coke you just chuck it in the water they didn't give a shit and then those bottles would just sit down there and you pick them up and they got coral and shit on them like this one like that oh nice. shit oh yeah. my god that's awesome uh faders yeah, if you're listening 40s that's from the 40s yeah. yeah yeah go to the patreon and watch this oh my god that's insane that's <laughs> That's a piece of history right there. Is it, Some months, yeah. Is it illegal to take, or uh, <laughs> let's say uh, supposedly you borrowed that from the ocean. Is it illegal to take artifacts from the ocean and bring them with you? Like, let's say a machine gun. Like you pick up like a fucking Rambo gun <laughs> or something like that. You don't want to disturb graves. Yeah. So don't take skulls. If, if take someone died there, yeah, if yeah. someone, if someone died there, you don't want to disturb a grave. Yeah. It's like grave robbing. Yeah. No, no, you don't want to do but, that. Like, where I found that, where I found that, it wasn't a gravesite. It was just like, um, it would have just been in a bay where, where some ship was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just garbage. That's, that's pretty much the rule. And I mean, if, if something is, you know, this this is, is from recent history, right? But if, if you find something in in Italy from Roman times, like you can't take that either, of course, right? I mean, that has yeah, antiquities. Yeah. Exactly, but there's yeah. antiquity laws and treasure laws and shit like that. Yeah. There, there's cases of people who hunt treasure, and they find millions and millions and millions of dollars of golden coins, and that shit gets locked up in a court battle for the rest of their life. They never get to touch it. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, exactly. You know the Greek, Roman, uh, antique coins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah silver, ever, gold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever found anything like that? No, it's very hard. And then, you know, you would really have to, you would really have to do a lot of homework first, right? I mean, you're not going to find that out of the blue. So yeah. you would have to go to a spot where you suspect that there was like a Spanish gallon, which which sank there. there. There is stuff like that in the Philippines, but probably at this point, you know, there, there's very little of it in shallow water. So you would probably have to dive really deep to find anything like that. 
you could, you know, either you would uh, use advanced diving techniques, or if it's if it's significantly deeper than about 100 meters, you would use what's called a remote operated vehicle, like, a, like essentially yeah. a, a remote controlled submarine. Yeah. And, you know, with two arms, and they, uh, uh, you can get treasures out like that. But it's a major operation, right? It's, it's not your, your average weekend dive where that happens. It's very expensive. Like you said, you got to, and also you have to research maps and maps change over time. And so you, if you think that it was the 1600, you'd have to go back to those maps that they use and figure out where they charted their, their boats from and to, and what kind of yeah. material they were carrying. Most likely from this port, they were carrying wine from this port, they were carrying wheat, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. then, then you got to figure out like, uh, you know, where those ships might've gone down. And if you heard any stories about it, and then, then it's about radar not cheap. <laughs> this is yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I haven't really found, you know, it's, it's unfortunate actually what, what you do find a lot these days is um, trash, you know, all yeah. this thing, single use plastic. I don't, I remember when I was living in Japan and that's a good 10 years ago, they were really big on, on proper packaging things. Is, is that mm -hmm. still happening? Yeah. Yeah. You get a cookie. Well, and yeah. Mm. They package everything to death. Yeah. Yeah. You get a ramen. Yeah. You get a ramen that's sealed, and then it's inside plastic, and then it's yeah. in a bag within a bag within a bag. Dude, that is heartbreaking. That is absolutely yeah. heartbreaking to hear that you don't find treasure, you find trash at the bottom of the trash. ocean. Trash. Trash. Yeah. No trash only. Oh, <laughs> a lot, a yeah. lot of cigarette butts. A lot of cigarette butts. Good butts, and and you know, like like this extreme packaging is not happening so much in the Philippines. But unfortunately, there's very little uh, recycling here, so mm. you know the country's just too poor. So a lot of people would would just you know have their coffee, throw the sachet on the beach. It gets washed in the ocean. I, I find a lot of you know this this uh, shampoo and coffee sachets, um, mm. diapers. Diapers are not very nice. Um, Diapers. Oh God! Uh, You're breaking my heart. You gotta burn dude. those things. Yeah, yeah you got, uh, those things need to be burned, but that creates CO two. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, uh, you know, um, a lot of uh, beer bottles. That's actually not that bad. You know, textiles, t-shirts. Sometimes it's, it's actually quite interesting. Some you know, small shrimp. Condoms. Would end sea, up sea glass is interesting. Yes, exactly. Sea, sea glass looks like a gem, but it's just a broken bottle that's been turned over on the ocean floor inside sand for hundreds of years or yeah. tens of thousands of years, and it turns into like a gem, basically. I yeah, got a bunch yeah, of sea yeah. glass. Okay, that's yeah. cool. God, I'm so bummed out, man. All right, well, I hope you find more treasure than trash, dude. Oh, God, that sucks. Okay, <laughs> let's change the conversation. <clears throat> okay, you were working in Japan, and you are Okay, what brought you to Japan and what did you study and work on in Japan? And then after yeah. that, why did you leave Japan to go to the Philippines? Yeah. So I got a pretty good job. Um, that's the, I got offered a good job. I was in the US. Um, the, this institute had just started, you know, nice salary, and, uh, lots of resources for my own research. So that's what brought me there. And um then the, um, I start. I continued studying the, the same things, really, the gobies at the, at the red brains. Um, what made me leave? Well, it was, um, you know, five years were enough. Um, 
I can't, I mean, I, I had good times there. Like um, the, the diving was good. I saw interesting things. I can't say that I ever really felt at home there. And mm. then um, the, on top of that, so that it was a five-year contract, which they said they were gonna extend or not. Um, they hadn't made a decision after five years yet. So, you know, I just decided that something new needed to happen. So actually I moved to Australia afterwards, mm-hmm. which which I, I, I like quite a lot. So, you know, Australia. yeah, Australia, Australia is fantastic. You know, everybody is uh, into barbecuing and beer drinking. You know, they like the sports. <laughs> um, the diving is very good. Uh, Sydney has so much, you know, culture, nightlife music you know good food and then at the same time it's like it's it's on a fjord essentially in this in this natural harbor so i really enjoyed that <clears throat> again after about three years my uh my funding ran out you know my my job contract ran out and um i really i really also enjoyed working with my colleagues there but it it would have been um a hassle trying to you know get that extended so then i just decided i, I had previously traveled to the philippines you know multiple times to to scuba dive and so i just you know asked myself you know what's really the place where i want to live and and that's really the philippines and then i so that's why i headed here i took when i when i came here i took about a year and a half off to uh teach scuba exclusively which, which was good fun. Um, and then I got back into, uh, you know, the, uh, teaching and, and science. So it's essentially, you know, like as a scientist, that happens quite a bit that you're, you're on the short-term contracts. And um, then it's, um, it's a good thing, really. You know, it, it gets, gives you the, it's an impetus to see something new. So this is how I ended up here. And now, you know, like I'm teaching at a, a different university here. I like it quite a bit. Um, I have a family here, so I'm probably going to be staying here. But uh, you know, there's this moving from country to country. That's that's uh, how you how you roll as a scientist, essentially. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I have, a, I have a quick question for you. I think you earned your Naui instructor and your Patty open water scuba instructor, like I did as well. <laughs> yeah. Back in the- Hey, yeah. yeah. So, um, which which do you think now has has been? I know now he has a more in depth, like a deeper, uh, technical look at, at diving, and Patty yeah. is more of a surface level kind of everyone can do it kind of diving. Which yeah. do you think has yeah. been better for you personally? So, so I did I did my as I said my dive master as Naui and then my instructor as Patty, and um, actually did my open water as um Themis. Oh, okay. Which, which which is like the like a European agency. So so. I oh, know, I know. Maybe, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe you, uh, obviously you know, but maybe for your for your listeners, viewers, uh, the, um, there are these different um, teaching agencies in diving. So you can get your your diving certifications from Padi Nawi, and I think that it does make a little bit of a difference. But I think the main difference is really. Uh, both the skills of the instructor, number one, and number two is how much time is the instructor willing to invest? Good point. And yeah, and you know, I've seen so many uh, horrible outfits which are just essentially there to take tourists' money, you know, run. I worked through. for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and um, you know, and, and that never leads to any any good uh, diving teaching. Like I, ha- I had the chance, I was teaching um, young colleagues, like um, biologists at the University of the Philippines, uh, nice. in the last three summers. And so there, we were not restricted with time. So you know, some some students were were not very good at clearing the mask, right? Getting getting the water out of the mask. And what we did, we just said, well, you know, you have to practice this more, you know, we're just gonna, the course is gonna take another day. And and essentially, is are the conditions set up that you can spend, you know, four or five days on the on the class, not just three days. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that to me seems almost the most important issue in, in diving teaching. So yeah. one issue that I, one issue that I ran into here in Japan teaching diving mm-hmm. is that uh, it's it's um, very expensive to use like a pool training or to actually go outside and get oh, your tanks yeah. and actually uh, arrange. If you're in Tokyo, you have to arrange to go to Atami or Izu, which is a mm-hmm. bullet train ride. It's another twenty thousand mm-hmm. yen each way, and then wow. you know you have to arrange for all that. So you're looking at an open water course. It's going to cost you in Japan from a private teacher like me, it's going to cost the student at minimum $1,200, you know, around wow. 120,000 wow. yen before I even make, before I even make a cent myself. And then if I want to charge an extra uh, 30,000 yen or, or $300 for instructor fee, you're looking at $1,500 for an open wow. water course. That's a private instructor like myself. If you're working yeah. for, a, if you work for a, a scuba shop and you're taking a salary, you don't get that money. Yeah. But, the scuba shop gets the money and they have like set, they have set up like schemes and stuff like that. Now that as an instructor, you know, this, and I know this, we have to pay $700 a year for instructor insurance. Yeah. Right. So if I don't make back at least $700 per, you know, per course, then I'm losing money on, on, on investing on uh, insurance for that year. If you don't have insurance, you you're classified as un. Uh, as a non non teaching status, which is what I am at the moment, so yeah. I can't teach scuba diving, even though I'm a I'm a I'm a master scuba diver instructor. Yeah. Oh, please go for it. Um, exactly. So, so you know the the insurance, which in the Philippines you don't actually don't have to have, but then your 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 paddy fees or your nawi fees, huh? and then. In, wow, that's crazy. So here you can get an open water course for you know three four hundred dollars. Right. Um, I tell but, people all the time, go overseas and get it. It's much easier than come back to me to just go diving. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that's an issue. And then, you know, there is this race to the bottom in a lot of the uh, um, scuba training industry that it's essentially not, you know, who can teach the most competent course, but it's really who uh, can, can uh, sell it for the least amount of money. And that, I think, has hurt um, scuba teaching. It's dangerous. It's yep. very dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, that, you Johnny, know, you had or... a question? Johnny, yeah. you had a question? What's the that... insurance for? Is the insurance for, like, if somebody dies, you don't have to worry about anything? Like, you're like, oh, God, you know, he died and that pays for, like, the, the funeral or something? Or well, why is there insurance? <laughs> Yeah, they pay for they pay for a uh, person who goes to the parents with flowers and sings a nice <laughs> and sings a nice song. No yeah, fucking violin. Shit. Are you serious? Yeah. If, no. if you have, if you, uh, no. 
Oh God! I was just like, oh my God! No, but in Japan, that seems like kind of logical. Like, all right, we need to have insurance because if somebody dies, we definitely have to have a good singer and flowers. <laughs> here, anywhere else in the world, that'd be madness. But here, it's like you know, it kind of does make sense, right? <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God! So just to basically let you know what happens is, if you're an instructor, you're taught how to teach the Patty method. And you're supposed to, as an instructor, each time teach the same course, cookie cutter course each time. The same way, the same, you know, you have slates you go through. Step one, you teach them this. Step two, you teach them this. Dive one is this. Dive two is this. Dive three is this. You have slates and it's a cookie cutter course. Each time it's the same. So your insurance pays for your legal team. And the legal team investigates whether or not you taught the course the way they wanted to, the cookie cutter way. And then if you taught it the cookie cutter way and you have all your documentation in order then they're going to be your um like uh like your your legal team to so you don't go to jail your attorney oh god jesus christ that's insane but it doesn't um, cover equipment it doesn't cover equipment if you're if you're diving at a shitty dive shop which i've done before not mentioning any names but uh um where their where their where their equipment is just fucking garbage basically that has been put together from other garbage um it doesn't cover insurance uh insurance doesn't cover equipment failure God, that's terrible, dude. I'm so not gonna swim unless I'm with you guys. <laughs> oh my! I've God. had I've had emergencies on on dives before. People breaking like um, uh, discs, uh, seal discs in the back of their tank, and have you have to take them up and put them back on the boat. I've had people panic underwater. I've had I had this one enormous fat woman. I mean, enormous fat woman who just who who couldn't climb up the ladder, and I'm under I'm underneath her going. <laughs> trying, to, trying to push her up the ladder and she couldn't do it she's like i can't i can't like, you can't stay in the water either and then there's guys there's little japanese dudes up top pulling her by her fucking bra strap trying to get her up there and they finally got her on there and oh it was a nightmare man oh, <laughs> all true stories <laughs> sucks oh god all right what about the bends have you guys ever felt the bends oh that's a very personal question no, no, that's, not the bends that, that, in your pants. I mean, the bends when you go underwater. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the bends in my pants right now. This conversation is so stimulating. <laughs> bends going up, not down. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be really careful on their scent, huh? And then, you know, and nothing of that type should happen. And then you're, um, if, if it still happens, you, you have a few things which you can do is you, you can breathe pure oxygen and that will alleviate the sim symptoms or you, you, you can go to a decompression chamber, which I'm sure in, in Japan, they're, you know, are functioning and present. They are. Uh, in the not to be yeah. hollow lifted to one. Yeah. Yeah. In the Philippines, it's it's a little bit different, right? It's it's, it's much, much more different, you know. You Uncle Steve's decompression chamber in the back garage, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my god! You know the, the starting um, also, to oh, hmm? go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The starting to market these as anti-aging things, so you know you you can have them, yeah, you you you. You can use them for divers if there's an accident, but you can also, you know, um, get your milf in there, and then she's going to look a few <laughs> years younger. Well, what's then, the purpose um, of that? 
<laughs> if you got a milf, dude, we're just fucking go with it, dude. Fucking you're golden. <laughs> Teach his own, right? <laughs> you, you, you know that we have two two types of milf in the Philippines. Are you aware of this? I would love no. to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we have the regular, and then we have a, a jihadist uh, group, which is called uh, Moro Islamic Liberation Front. I like or the first milf. one, not the latter. <laughs> I've seen adult videos with the first one, not the latter. The, the latter ones, the adult videos I saw were not good. <laughs> My drunk ass turns up at the wrong MILF party. Hey, let's go. Are you good? Are you back in my bag? <laughs> oh, no. I think we just got canceled. <laughs> Hashtag you, you, like, Japan sucks. <laughs> a, a, a few years ago, the, they had a negotiation that the, the Islamist MILF was gonna, you know, quit fighting. You know, it's, it's, ty it's tiresome all that fighting all the time, right? Sure. Yeah, well, you don't want to so, have fight. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, they they were gonna like give up like men in arms and so the newspaper headline was milf willing to give up men oh no, <laughs> oh, no. english check english check <laughs> oh my god oh that's my goodness. Insane. All, right, all right i'm gonna change the conversation again i'm gonna change the conversation again okay <clears throat> You studied, all right, and, and pardon me if I pronunciate this incorrectly. I've had two fucking very strong Scotch whiskey highballs. Um, <clears throat> you studied cephalopods. A little bit, yeah. So cephalopods are, of course, you know, squid, um, cuttlefish, and uh, octopi, right? Yes. And yes. I, I'm actually studying cephalopods right now. I'm really? doing some, yeah. Um, I am so in to cephalopods yeah so the interesting thing about them is they um they're really smart yes but they don't live very long so yes. most oct most octopi live for a single year and yep, then they year. mate mate lay eggs die Mm. And and that's very odd because normally if you you know if you're biological evolution and you're you're investing into an animal and are making it smart with a big brain, you want this big brain to keep going for a long yes. time. But but it's not the case with these. So I'm I'm actually not you know measuring anything, but I'm I'm running simulations which are looking at that. So yeah. Um, very interesting topics and then um, they seem to disperse very far so you know the, the uh, cephalopods which which hatch at one reef as adults they might end up you know a few hundred kilometers away so a lot of really interesting biology which which is left to figure out with these oh, there, there are some cr crazy species i think japan actually has this flying squid have you heard about this? We eat them. No. Ah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, it's a it's a squid with with really extended uh, you know, fins, and they can right. accel accelerate to such a speed that they can jump out of the water and glide, mm. you know, for tens of meters. I've um, seen flying fish in, in Japan. They call them tobigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flying so, fish because they they're always in front of the boat. Like when you're when you're driving in a dive boat. Sometimes you see dolphins jumping out of the water, like 
60, 70 dolphins jumping out of the water, or you might see flying fish just shooting off in every direction because they get scared of the vibrations. Yeah, it's 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 the same thing as um, as flying fish. Just it's it's a squid. So you know, same biomechanics. Cool. Yeah, I've probably so seen them then. Yeah, could be, I might have just be, yeah. I, I might have just thought it was a flying fish, but I, I might have seen them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, so there's lots of fascinating stuff, and then you know all all these color changes, right? So they have they have these skins where we, within seconds they can switch from stripes to you know uniformly white. Yep. Both. Yeah, uh, and they can do shimmers yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Shimmering yeah. down the, down them. Um, yeah. Interesting story. I had like one time I found a I found an octopus under under the water inside of a coral, and it had made its skin bumpy like the coral. And the only reason I saw yeah. it is because I saw it. I saw it move out of the corner of my eye. Then I looked over there, and and I saw him. And then he, the bottom of him, he changed it into green glowing, you know, colors. And that would just would circle around. Look, it looked like an Alexa, almost. It would circle around, circle around, circle around. What? And then then he would then he would just make his skin. He would make his skin spiky, then flat. And I had these gloves on. They were white, they were white on the front and black on the back. So I started flashing them. I go white, black, white, black. And he would start doing like different colors of flashes like he could just change his colors he's trying to communicate basically they're what? very intelligent yeah that is fucking really cool awesome shit. yeah i have a yeah, picture yeah. of him somewhere yeah all, all kinds of really interesting things like that yeah no it's fascinating yeah question they basically try to communicate with us yeah exactly well that's yeah. insane what's the difference between all right what's the difference of intelligence between octopus and squid are they uh, kind of like on the same level or is one more intelligent than the other? Difficult to say. There are also there um, lots of different species of, of squid and octopus, but typically you would have octopi are typically solitary. So they, they live most of their, um, of their lives on their own, where a squid will live in groups. So yeah. typically animals which live in groups social animals are smarter yeah it's it's like a weak weak guess I, I don't think it's it's a hard rule but it, it comes down to that wow have you ever seen the movie all right all right let me just think about this for a second okay have you ever seen the movie my octopus teacher it's a documentary and oh, i love it i love it it's so well done it's so okay. well done it's, oh, it's then you're gonna really hate, yeah you're gonna hate my yeah. guts you're going to hate my gut. You, right now is where basically you are going to be like, fuck Johnny. Johnny sucks. <laughs> All right. So you love that. You love that documentary. Okay. Personally, I love that documentary too. When I, after I saw that documentary, I fell in love with octopus. I don't eat octopus as much as I used to. I still do because it's Japan. It's all over the place, but I have completely, my consumption of octopi is minimal. Now, my 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 point about this is the guy that made the documentary. He's a he's a, basically a guy that makes documentary movies. See that's that's his job, right? And when he started scuba yeah. dive, not scuba dive, when he started doing a snorkeling, if that's what it's called, basically yeah. he's going in South Africa and he's snorkeling and he befriends this fucking octopus, right? And he's there yeah. and he becomes friends with it and he plays with it and he socializes with it and he, he's in its environment and then he brings it out of the water it's on its hand he brings it out of the water it's like hey buddy look at the real world da, 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 da. and then brings it back in the water and they become best of friends right and then much, all yeah. the story, i mean he's involved in this in this octopus's environment 
I mean, 110%, they are best friends, right? And I'll get I'll get to like the, the friendship part later on because I think that gets bizarre. But the thing is, he's really good friends with this. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the documentary, all right, Vader, spoilers. If you don't want spoilers from my octopus teacher, stop right now. But if you want the real shit, keep on listening. In the middle of the documentary, a shark shows up and the shark goes right after the octopus. And then the guy's like, all right, peace, I'm out of here. The human being, the guy, I forget what his name is. He goes away, he just films the shark tearing after the octopus. And the shark rips off the arm of one of the octopuses. It's like, it's, it's the most saddening thing. I love animals. I, I, I love animals, all animals. I love all of God's creatures, right? And then he rips off the fucking like arm of one of it. And the shark's like eating this arm and stuff. He's like, yum, 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 yum. And the guy's filming it. And then he films the octopus. The octopus is all gray and it's sad. And it's not happy. And then the guy goes, the only reason why I did not save the octopus is because there's a line that you don't cross. In nature, when you're doing a documentary, you never get involved with the creature or the subject. And I'm, I stopped the video and I started thinking, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy saying? The whole um, fucking 30% of like, whole half of the whole movie, he's been involved with it. And then all of a sudden bro, like, a leader comes and he's like, yo, I'm just gonna yo, let hit, it hit the arm. All right, hit the go brakes, bro, hit the brakes. They can grow their arms back. Also, their arms are their penis. But still, well, well, that, well, that's even worse. But still, what yeah, if he, yeah. what if he I, ate I think... the octopus? He ate the octopus, right? The, the, the shark eats the octopus, and the guy's like, "Hey, guy had it coming. I can't get involved, right?" Even though the yeah, whole I mean, time he's completely what are, involved. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I mean, I think he was just anthropomorphizing, right? I mean, he was just like observing, and he really. Uh, you know, it was dear to him, but like he's still alive. Not, you're not oh, gonna go yeah, like. You know that at the time, he didn't know that at the yeah. time. The sharks in there digging at it and digging at it and digging at it. Like it's like it's it's the yeah, most. But you, you're part. not you're not gonna film like a documentary about like, like you know the savanna in Africa and then you know, the the lion is, is starting to eat a zebra. You know the little zebra baby and then right. Oh, but the zebra it's baby nature. is so cute. I mean, are we gonna like uh, scare the lion away? We're just gonna use our you know. Uh, four wheel drive and, and honk at the lion to uh, to get it to fuck off. I mean, it's I just, agree. It's I agree. nature, right? I, agree. I mean, it is nature. I agree. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing, right, it's nature and it happens, and he shouldn't get involved. But the thing is, he said he didn't get involved because he didn't want to uh, get. He didn't want to cross the line mm-hmm. of his. But also, you can't reason with the fucking shark, bro. You're gonna. You can't reason with it. It's an animal. It's gonna. It's like oh, food. Oh. You can't like, excuse me, that's my mate. You can't but, do no, that. No, I completely understand that. But the thing is, the guy was socializing with the, the with the octopus beforehand. And he's then he said he goes, I can't save him because I can't interact with his environment. But the whole first part of the movie, he's interacting with his environment. He's taking the octopus out of the out of the ocean and playing with it on yeah. his arm. And you know, I, so I, I, get, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah. So that's like, like, that. like, I think, I think the problem was, was less that he, he didn't intervene when the shark came along. I think the issue was that before he intervened too much. Yeah. That, that's and, my point. That's my yeah. Point right there. Yeah. 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 I, I think yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah. Like if you, if you're taking it out of the water and putting it back, you're not changing anything irreversibly, right? Whereas, you know, the shark eating the octopus might make the difference for the shark breathing that year or not. 
And uh, so, so you don't want to, you don't want to like fiddle with the uh, uh, ecosystem. Yeah, true, much. true. Yeah. I mean, it makes it better. Yeah. I mean, the movie's fantastic. I mean, oh, Peter, yeah, definitely yeah. watch this movie. It's fantastic. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Okay. The human being made a documentary that was called uh, My Octopus Teacher. But I tell you what, if that octopus had a camera, it was making a documentary about humans, the title would be Humans Suck. Yeah. <laughs> to be trusted. Yeah, it's like, dude, the, the octopus is being attacked by a shark, and he's like, dude, help me out. Come on, dude. This guy would just, just kick him. Come on, you're bigger than the fucking shark. Help me. Yeah, humans suck. That would be the documentary. There you go. Yeah, there's a there's a problem with humans adding adding human traits and human feelings to animals. And it's a problem. Like you see, like um, like for example, Coca Cola makes a makes a polar bear drink Coca Cola and makes it adorable and cute, and it's next to Santa Claus. But if your kid, if you're if you're a two year old, walked up to a polar bear inside of a polar bear enclosure inside of the, of the uh, it'll it'll fucking eat your kid, man, and it won't give a shit about Coca Cola or Santa Claus. Yeah, well, maybe Santa Claus a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can't add human traits to animals. That's the point. You can't say, oh, Yogi exactly. Bear's cute, therefore black bears are cute. Black bear will eat you asshole first, man, and then look at you thing. in the eye while it's doing it, <laughs> which sounds kind of cool, but not. <laughs> oh man, okay, all right. So I got I got your guys' opinion. Okay, all right. I had to throw that out there because fucking that was a great documentary, but that was the only problem I had with it. Okay, moving forward. Okay, all right. Forget about documentaries. Let's talk about books. Claus, you've got an amazing book, and I want to hear all about it. Yeah. So I, I wrote a book about Gobies, you know, unsurprisingly. And um, the thing is, uh, even if somebody doesn't, is not massively interested in the Gobies, the Gobies are essentially a, uh, you know, starting point to, you know, to talk about all kinds of interesting topics in, in marine science. So for instance, hmm. you know, how do all these, uh, these new species come, come along? You know, how do some species move between the ocean and freshwater? You know, how some of these gobies are only uh, six or seven millimeters long. They're among the smallest uh, living vertebrates. They only live for um, for about uh, three months. You know, oh. how how do these uh, extremely fast life histories come about? So, you know, this is there are all kinds of questions in, in marine biology which are just greatly illustrated with gobies. So I wrote this book and um, the book has been looking for a quality publisher. And, um, you know, the, the world of publishing is a little bit like if you are, um, you know, Bill Clinton or uh, Stephen King, it's super easy to publish your books. Uh, right. If you're like a, a popular science author, who, you know, obviously I have a really good background in fish biology, but I'm not famous yet. Um, you know, it's it's an uphill battle to to find a publisher. So if, if anybody knows anybody uh, who is willing to take on a book, which is, uh, it also has a lot of really nice photographs from my last 10 years of photographing Gobies. So, you know, great popular science, science for the layperson, uh, photographs, you know, uh, using the gobies as a as a starting point to explain a lot of uh, marine biology uh the, the book is the book is available any any publisher interested in taking that on uh please come talk to me 
In addition to the book that you wrote about gobies, I believe you wrote another very interesting book called Sex, Drugs, and Scuba Diving. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, the, these, these are really the things which count in life. So um, the, uh, I, wrote that, I wrote that about 10 years ago. Uh, this is self-published on Amazon. So you, you can uh, still get it on Amazon, both as an ebook as well as a, as a paperback. Um, Fantastic book. It's... Um, Thank you. It's um, it's also uh, introducing a lot of marine biology, but you know there there's definitely a humorous um, angle to it. So you know, like for instance, I have a proof that there's no god, right? I love it. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And this uh, the, uh, the this is how this proof goes. So there, you know what a sea cucumber is, right? It's, of course. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a relative of a sea urchin. And, you know, I mentioned that see, it's a recurring topic. I, I mentioned this crab, which lives in the sea urchin, anus. There's a fish. Like which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, it's not called the uncle fish. It's called the pearl fish, but um, which lives in the sea cucumber anus. And, um, yeah. you know, that must have come about with, with biological evolution. If you, yeah. are, if you create a god, you, you don't make stuff like that. You know, there's no there's no point to make something like that. Exactly. 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 So, you know, any respectable creator god who wants to have, you know, a congregation and people worshipping him <laughs> would, would not make an ass fish or, or uncle fish. And, uh, <laughs> and we praise the anal fish god. <laughs> See, that, that, that wouldn't worship work. him forever or her. <laughs> And, and, and that book also, like, it, it was really fun writing that book uh, because so there's a there's a lot of marine biology, there's a lot of history of the Pacific Ocean. So I'm not sure it's yeah, sure we are not talking about like nitty gritty details of politics, but maybe you followed this, uh, you know, dispute about these islands between the Philippines and China in the West Philippine Sea. Hmm. So yeah, and so this dispute has been going on for a while. Right. So there are these islands which are essentially they're really between Vietnam and the Philippines. And uh now, you know, China wants them, Taiwan wants some of them. But like uh, during the uh, Vietnam War, the, uh, the the South Vietnamese also decided they were gonna capture some of these islands. Mm. And um the, um, there was a the battle plan was to invite um see it's also a recurring theme a prostitute horse right to the birthday <laughs> wait, wait, party did you say prostitute horses or the horse Horse, Are they miniature whores or mini regular size How whores? big were these whores? <laughs> regular size. Totally oh, okay. regular uh, size. Big ones. <laughs> and, Did um, anyone but, live in their butts? <laughs> um, not, not on a permanent basis. So, and, uh, a couple so dollars there more. Was, there was this uh, island. It's called Southwest, um, Southwest K. And the Philippine commander of that island had a birthday party. So the Vietnamese... As a, as a guest gesture of goodwill, sent this this horse there, and and every every single Filipino uh, marine left his position as a consequence of that. Wow. Okay. And and so so then the the South Vietnamese How good is just, that pussy could could just land unopposed. So, yeah. so this is this is a true story. This actually happened. So, oh, so uh, is that considered is, biological warfare? <laughs> kind of psychological warfare, at least, at least. 
So and um, a bunch of prostitutes in there. Everybody like leaves the quarters, and then you invade, right? It's got to be biological. Pretty much, pretty much. And uh, so, so, so stories like that are in are in sex trucks and scuba diving. So it, it was great fun researching all buy of that, that kind book. of stuff. Faders buy that book. Yeah, <laughs> definitely buy that book. Um, and also the the one about the gobies, dude. Gobies are fucking fantastic, man. I mean, there's so many species. They do so much for the ecosystem, and they're just fascinating. They're fascinating little creatures. Like for what they do for the environment and what they do for themselves, they're just really interesting, man. All right, I want to know three facts that you found fascinating about studying gobies? Like three things that are just like, oh my God, they do this? Oh my God, yeah, yeah. I gotta tell the world. Tell me three things. Okay, okay. number one, um, what I mentioned, shortest lifespan of any vertebrate. Their gobies, you know, from, from cradle to grave, it's two months for them. Wow. Amazing, yeah. right? And uh, number two, uh, what, what really interests me is a lot of gobies actually, uh, more than 100 species live together in a burrow with a shrimp. So they share this burrow. The shrimp digs the burrow, the goby acts as a watchman. Very unique. They're, they're essentially mm. keeping themselves uh, a working shrimp. And uh, number three, you know, like uh, there are gobies in the freshwater rivers in Hawaii, and uh, oh. they can. They can climb up waterfalls. So these tiny fish, which are five centimeters in length, they would climb up with essentially their fins have turned into suckers. So, exactly. And, and yeah. the, the fins, fins are suction disc. They would climb up a hundred meter waterfall in, you know, in the steep Hawaiian mountains. What the fuck? So, you know, an enormous, enormous athletic, uh, achievement it's really as if you're climbing up you know half the himalayas through a waterfall yeah so um you know the the, the if, if you think of, of the athletic achievement which this is it's, it's unreal right and and this it's yeah, a they're that feature. big yeah yeah exactly and they're climbing hundreds of meters like and they can only step like maybe a little like half a centimeter each each step yeah jimmy 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 i'm gonna bring this out I got to break this out for all our faders in America. Okay. All right. Five millimeters is like your penis in ice cold water. Okay. That's how big that is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. They get I inches in yards, right? <laughs> ice cold yeah. water, not warm water. <laughs> two inch, right? Five centimeters. I, I got to get some reference here. You say like two meters. Yeah, 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 two millimeters. People don't know what the difference is. Mm, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're doing these climbs in, in like against a, a you know massive current coming this way, their way. Sure, the falling so, water. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, the the just if if you think of them as, as athletes, they they would um um you know kill anybody in the Olympics. You know, they, they would. Smoke That's awesome. Them. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's incredible. That's incredible. Jeremy, I, I, dude, I'm out of questions, man. I, I asked all, I mean, I've got more questions, but all the questions I had before the show, they're done. Um, do you have any questions before we take a break? Okay. The only thing I want to ask is like, um, um, make sure you give us the links to um, sex, drugs, and scuba diving, and then also your yes. Gobi book so we can put them in the show notes. 100%. And then folks, for sure, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> if you have a chance, go check out his blog. Check out the post that I wrote a few years ago about scuba diving and fighting underwater. Check out all the cool shit that he writes about shipwrecks, about treasure, about fucking finding everything underwater, everything you want to know about scuba diving in the Philippines, in Japan, all over the world. 
check out Claus's stuff. And uh, from this point on, we're going to go into a little bit of a break and then hop into the news. That's right. We're going to happen to the news. All right. Uh, Claus, thank you so much. And yes, everything's going to be in the show notes. Just click down there and definitely check it out. All right. On that note. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azubujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. If you're going to get your fit on, you got to get your fit on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your feet on in style. Proper. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepa. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each and they're worth so much more. These are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. 
but check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five-minute walk from the station. It's your liquor. Okay, faders, and we are back. And by the way, thank you very much for listening to those wonderful commercials from our sponsors. But now we are going to get into the news. And as we do with the news, the guest starts first. Claus, it would be our honor for you to start off with the most wacky, bizarre, and twisted news happening this week. Sir, please read any article which you wish to read. Okay, that's a good one. Turkey deports Japanese men for eating cats. Cats, are, you know. That's a good one. Uh, I don't think that's that bad. Why can't you not eat a cat? But let, let me read the article. Cats are widely beloved in the city of Istanbul in Turkey, where there's a long history of the animals being revered for the hunting prowess that stretches back to the Ottomans in the 1400s. This love of felines remains strongly tied to the local culture. And today you'll find thousands of stray cats freely roaming the streets of the city with citizens often tending to the animals, providing them with water, food and shelter. Uh, Okay, that's not to say it's an entirely safe environment for felines. However, as news out of the city this week revealed that a man was recently detained and fined for killing and eating them. Now, why can you not eat a cat and why can you eat eat a pig uh, you know eat a chicken I, I, I think this is this is arbitrary number one um, mm. <laughs> number I think, two um, I think isn't isn't it like a hunt hunter animals or animals you're not supposed to eat like you don't eat lions but you eat yeah. things that get hunted like deers that's you true train, that's not predator. Probably true. Yeah, you don't eat predators. Yeah, but like in, in Korea, they eat the dogs. In China, in some parts of the Philippines, traditionally, people would eat dogs. Wow, um, how's that working out for them? Yeah, why not? Why I not? Um, Anyone seen Rover? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> I've seen him. <laughs> what do he look like? He look like That's a taco? <laughs> in these countries, do people cough up hairballs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Fido was great. Great going so I, down, bad coming up. I I have not had the chance to try it, but I think it's totally arbitrary. And um it's okay. 
According to police, the man was a Japanese national in his 30s from Tokyo who was residing in Istanbul. He was detained on June 14 after a local resident saw him take five kittens in a bucket to his home. Now, further questions. Would, would you, would, would you want to eat the kittens, preferably? Are they, are they less chewy? And like, how would you cook them? So, so the dogs here, they typically, uh, they eat with, um, in, a, in a kind of onion stew. So you really have to cook them for a while. Probably oh, my God husband. damn it, Claus. Don't yeah. talk about cooking dogs, man. Oh, man. Don't, don't talk okay. about it like that, dude. Oh, man. Dude, faders. I think everybody backs me up, dude. Fucking eating dogs, eating cats is fucking hardcore bad, dude. There's a fucking documentary on Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats, and I support that shit. Don't fuck with cats, motherfuckers. Okay, You're also so, assuming that he cooks them. He, what if he just went Hop! and ate the cat yeah, whole, like Ozzy Osbourne style? Oh, my God. That, that's that sushi? Hardcore. <laughs> that's probably not very healthy because they probably have a bunch of worms, right? But a Japanese so, guy ate a woman's ass in France. Remember that guy? Oh, the, yeah. The what's Japanese his name? Um, uh, his name is... um. Starts with E something. Isaki Isei. Isei. What do you mean? We like he, he, he didn't lick it. He actually cut it off and chewed it and ate, ate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he I don't know what he did body. before he cut it off, but he, oh. he shot her in the head. He went, wow, and shot her in the head. And then he, he went, no, 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 and he ate her whole butt. Oh and then he, like, cut her off other parts of her. And then France, they said he was he was mentally ill, so they can't put him in prison. So they send him back to Japan, easy. and Japan yeah, said. Easy, easy, easy something. Yeah, like, easy said, you said. Yeah, in, in, in Japan, they said, you didn't commit a crime here, so go ahead and live out in, in uh in a normal society and he's still yeah. he's still free and he's walking around he makes pornos and he also talks about in the future he wants to eat more butts yeah he was in variety shows on here and also he's a painter he's a painter and he sells his paintings one of my friends tried to buy one of his paintings but they're too expensive isn't that fucking nuts dude oh god that's crazy so, bro. so this, this is, is very crazy. unfair okay so the man this guy who actually killed somebody he is free, whereas this guy who just just ate a few cats, police say in, in Turkey, the man was detained and fined the equivalent of 13,000 yen after he admitted to killing and eating five kittens caught in the neighborhood. He, he is currently at an immigration facility awaiting deportation. Now, the last question is, what, 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 what are they feeding, feeding him at that facility? Vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> something <old> broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Something he hates. Oh, Fuck yeah. you, broccoli. <laughs> He's losing a lot of weight. Vegetarian nutrition, huh? For that guy. That's, that's the punishment. Yeah. He lost his meat privileges. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with cats. <laughs> Have you guys seen the documentary Don't Fuck With Cats? A Netflix? Yeah, I, I saw it. It was scary. Good. Yeah. Oh my god, the yeah. last fucking 30 minutes of that last episode was just fucked <laughs> up, dude. Capital F, dude. Oh my god, that was insane. Uh, no spoilers, no spoilers. Faders, just watch Don't Fuck With Cats, and then don't fuck with cats. Please, don't do it. I'm a cat guy. I love all animals. I'm like Tony Soprano. I like all animals, dude. I like horses, I like cats, I like dogs. Fucking, I love all animals. But um, Miniature horses, miniature horses. No, I hate them. Yeah, those, those horses are dicks. Those are the ones I hate. Yeah. You, you always gotta, you always gotta compliment them. Like you're, you're important too. <laughs> well, it's okay. The lifespan's only three months. Yeah. 
Everyone cares about you just as much as they care about the big horses, pal. <laughs> Who rides you, Barbie dolls? <laughs> well, don't say you're going to make you have a complex, man. Oh, God. Yeah, they don't use the internet. They don't know. <laughs> um, Klaus, dude, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. That's a fucking awesome story to pick, dude. Fucking dude, Klaus. All right, one more time. How can people find you? All right, everything's going to be in the show notes, but I want you to say it just one more yeah. time. Google Pacific, like the ocean, and Klaus with a K. One word, you, you're going to find my YouTube channel, you're going to find my blog, and you, you're going to find my uh, my photographs on Flickr. A lot of underwater footage, underwater photography, underwater blogging. Check it out. And um, yeah, um, thanks for having me, guys. Well, well the yeah, book, it's a pleasure, the book, man. The book, the book. We want to support oh, the, yeah, the, books. Yeah. the books, yeah. two books. Uh, the books, the, uh, uh, Six Tracks and Scuba Diving is on Amazon. Uh, the Lifestyle Gobies, still looking for a publisher. It's on the blog. There's a part of the blog where, where the book is uh, mentioned and there, 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 there are some uh, really nice photographs and there's a pretty detailed description of what's in the book. And um, yeah, uh, hope, hope to see it in print in the next couple of months. Excellent. I can't wait. Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait too, man. This is going to be fucking awesome, dude. And Faders, whatever you do, just check it out. Just check it out. There's so much to learn, so much stuff. I mean, dude, sex, drugs, and scuba diving? How can He's you go the Hunter wrong? S. Thompson. He's the Hunter S. Thompson of the scuba diving world. I mean, that's high praise. That's high praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you both are bald. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I command you to take uh, like three drops out of this dropper. Oh, <laughs> All right. On that I'm note, in. on that note, we gotta fucking move forward. Faders, I'm fine, I'm fine. Right, my drinks in the air for you, brother. Thank you, Klaus, for being on the show, man. It's been a spectacular. It, it's it. been, it's been more than a treat. Holy smokes, Faders, we were so stoked for that interview that pretty much we just signed off right there. We just stopped recording. We hung out a little bit, and then basically we did the Patreon. We did eight stories for the Patreon, and um, yeah, we forgot to say goodbye, sayonara, thanks for listening. So I'm doing that right now. It's a couple of days later. I'm doing the editing and stuff and making sure the sound quality is 99.999%, and um, yeah, we can't do a full 100. We're alcoholics. Sorry, but um, yeah, wow, that episode was amazing. Um, if you want to see the video of this episode, the full video, go down to our Patreon. Also, we've got so much stuff there. I mean, sign up for our Patreon, Faders. Just sign up. Just go there, sign up. It costs you $5. That's like buying us one beer a month. One beer a month. And when you come to Japan, we buy you 20 beers at the bar. And if you're with me and Tom, well, Tom likes shots. That's that's his downfall, but he'll buy you 20 shots. He'll buy you 20 shots. I'll buy you 20 beers. So pretty much uh, it's an investment. Signing up for the Patreon is an investment. You you get beers in the future. You get future beers and you get all the beautiful content that we have for you. We've got so much beautiful content, so much stuff up there. I mean, we're serious, man. You sign up for the Patreon and you get the keys to this city. We got videos, we got audio, we got photos, we got all sorts of stuff. We got some 3D video stuff up there now. We're going crazy with the Patreon. So sign up, support the show, keep the wheels on the car and the car on the highway and the car moving forward. Seriously, it really helps us out. And um, we know a lot of you don't have the dough. And if you don't have cash to support us on Patreon, hey man, we completely understand. There's still love in our hearts for you. So... Go down to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and write something groovy. That's cool, too. 
And also, if you just want to get some bonus content for free on the free tip, uh, yeah, we got that for you. We've got Facebooks, we've got Instagrams, and we've got the YouTubes. Go there and check out all our stuff. It's free, and we update that stuff pretty much daily at this point. Um, I think Instagram is, uh, I think I post photos and videos up there at least like two or three times a day. So there's tons of stuff there, and backlog, backlog, backlog. Just, just go over in reverse. Just get in the DeLorean and go on Facebook and go down the line. Go through that thread of photos and videos, and there's just... There's, there's there's years of content there. There's years, literally years. There's 10 years of content on the Facebook. So check that out and just enjoy yourselves. Enjoy this beautiful summer. Crack open your favorite drink and just chill. And we're going to see you soon in the next episode. All right, faders, and that no peace. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! Are you sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Man, I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.